for the friends out there listening, I get it. You see two-hour runtime. Don't worry. Just click more details, and it shows an exact timestamp of every single game we cover. You can skip ahead. We spent about an hour on eight feature games. So if you want to skip ahead to the rapid-fire bet log, just do that. The timestamps are in there. Truly appreciate your time. Thanks for listening every week. Love you guys. Thank you for that, Mayor. Welcome in. This is week four college football podcast with Tease Me with a Parlay. Let's uh, go. Got a bit of a threesome here to really spice things up for the biggest college football weekend of the year. Nate, he's back. I do love threesomes. Oh, my God. All right. And Nate is gone just like that. Mayor, good to have you back. How you doing? Great. <laughs> That's all you got? Oh, yeah. It's good to be back. Uh <laughs> College football is back, baby. The NFL is back, baby. I've said that a lot, but we're in full swing now. Anything you'd like to uh, say uh, after you admitted to me no less than 15 minutes ago that uh, you didn't listen to the podcast that you weren't on? Um, I made a deal with Big Cat, Dan Katz, um, (laughs) that I listened to part of my take because it had been a while, so he was texting me about it. Oh, okay. That's fair. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, Nate is back because he destroyed his slate. His best bet was... Uh, pretty much one of the easiest of three very easy best bets. Uh, Nate, how do you feel about your Spartans, although you were correct, getting blown out of the water? Well, I told you this on the pod last week that, you know, people come for me for advice because I take all biases and I throw it out the window. But if you were just, just to watch that Michigan State was just really so heartbreaking. I think Michigan State is really falling part as a program, so I'm not quite sure how many wins we're going to have moving forward. I'll go over under two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Noah Kim, uh, so much for that Big Ten Player of the Week, Week 2. guess they need to see Richmond more often, right? Uh, yeah, so thanks for everyone joining us again this week. Uh, we're going to set up the pot a little bit different. Uh, obviously, we have a much bigger slate, so we had a lot of games to get through. Uh, basically, one of us uh, took a side. Uh, we're going to give you all the information you need. Uh, if you want to bet that side, uh, obviously we'll have all our cards uh, at the end, uh, followed by the much-anticipated uh, all-pod teaser, and then parlays to wrap everything up. But with that being said, man, did we have a big week last week. Uh, we had Mayer going 3-1 and one on a little tiny itsy-bitsy card, but 75% pays the bills every day of the week. Yep. Uh, and then we had myself going 7-4. and four. Uh, and we had Nate going six and three officially, although he's protesting, saying he went eight and three, telling it to me. But eight and three on the pod, six and three on the card. Ah, well, on the graph, card wasn't released till Friday. Thursday, Friday games don't count. So that puts Mayer at an astounding nine and three, eighty percent for the season. Uh, myself, a little bit more volume, twenty seven, eighteen and zero, still an incredible sixty percent uh, so far through four weeks of college football. And then Nate officially. 67%, but the main thing here is that all three of us easily hit our locks. Nate, you had... Fresno. And you had... LSU over Mississippi State. Yep, and I had App State ECU over. Uh, so that three-leg parlay would have paid a nice little quick plus 500. So we're looking to repeat that so everyone can just 
uh, parlay those together and make an easy win to start the start the week. But before we get into that, Mayor, I did have one thing since you were gone last week uh, with the lock record. Since uh, Nate, I don't know if you know about this. Uh, Mayor and I have a lock bet, and at the end of the season, whoever is the worst record in the locks has to record uh, the following podcast doing the entire slate of Hot Ones hot sauce Okay, on chicken wings. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so the uh, loser has to do that uh, while moving through the pod. Mayor's undefeated, and then I have an asterisk next to mine. I gave out Iowa plus 20 and a half, although that line didn't exist on a book. I have my ticket without being altered at 19 and a half. It's up to Mayor if he wants to accept the ticket or what was on the graphic. We're going to figure that out right now. Well, I think we have an issue here. Okay. And I uh, I think we got to go back to the tape and listen. Because I was under the impression the entire time, Burns, that we were going by season record, not lock records. I think you're trying to pull a fast one on me. No, no. Thinking that I, just I have text receipts. Forgot. Oh, I have text receipts. Like I said, I think we need to go back to the tape and roll back. Well, if we're doing season record, then I'm going to need more than four picks a week. I'm a 60 games late. I know that. We agreed. (laughs) We agreed to winning percentage throughout the year. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to just take a knee every week and just let me fire out heaters going as hard as I can. I think we'll have to uh, table this for another. Well, do you have a do you have a say on the Iowa? Yes or no? You you wouldn't let the ticket go? Yeah. Try to pull a fast one on me and then try to get Iowa. Okay. All right. Well, lock games. Uh, Mayor's 3-0. I'm 2-1. Nate is 1-0. And so. I, I don't want to partake in this uh, hot ones. Um, so we'll just put an asterisk on mine. <laughs> Not because I'm scared. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. You can dab one with me at the end. So, all right. Since Mayor's being a, a real fun guy to start the week. It should be a hell of a hell of a slate, <laughs> but we'll take a we'll just take a few takeaways from uh, week three before we dive into this mega slate. Kind of talked about Michigan State stinking, but I think the real takeaway is that Colorado might actually be bad. Nate, I think what and I remember when we were going through that slate, <clears throat> I I can one hundred percent remember we go you go Colorado Colorado State. Let's talk about the game. I go why is this game on the card? And turns out it was the best game of the week. Uh, it turns out that I fell asleep at halftime. Wow. It turns out that I woke up the next day and watched the end of it without wa- looking at the outcome. <laughs> and wow. it was actually it was quite amazing. Um, you know, when you lose somebody like Travis Hunter, not only is the best player on offense, he's the best player on defense as well. Colorado State just kept running those little seam routes underneath for about three yards and kind of just ran them up the sideline. So Colorado's defense is extremely suspect, and that's the reason why they won't keep up what they currently have. But I think the offense might be good enough to still be good against the spread. Yeah. Mayor, did you get a chance to watch? No, so I don't want to really weigh in because I just didn't get the chance to, yeah, up to watch it. What happened with that? Uh, my wife was in bed and we went to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Oblos. Yeah, exactly. No, Mayor was out with uh, Nick and I at the bar watching all the uh, games. And then uh, Nick, uh, we had a plan to come back here. Uh, we were at a bar not too far from my house to watch the Pac-12 After Dark slate. And uh mayor just pulled a fast one and said, uh, my Uber's actually two minutes away before we even left. And uh, I told him I had something to tell him. And Nick and I 
just kept live betting Colorado money line at minus one thirty, minus one thirty. Like when you're so drunk that you forget about units. And we were jumping up and down in the living room, like we're going to tell our grandkids about this story. Yeah, we're going to tell our grandkids about this money line. As soon as they got the two point conversion, and Colorado State didn't do shit in second overtime. So just letting you know, that's what you missed. Good for you guys. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and then I proceeded to. Uh, uh, we walked to another bar after because we were rich. Yep, and by the bar, mm. uh, we got a couple drinks. And they give you your card back. So when I walked in the next day and my card, they said, we don't keep your card here. So for a full day and a half, I thought I lost my debit card. And it was actually in a different slot of my wallet behind my mm. ID. So uh, it's happened to me a time or two. Has it ever happened to you with the ID? Just an instant heart attack. <laughs> yeah, big time. Just hiding in there and you just don't want to check through You're your wallet. It's like, oh my God, that's my fake one. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, bit of a dumbass move for me there. Uh, yeah, but that's what you missed out on there. Yeah, everyone says uh, an absolute electric game. I did miss out on it. I will say it's it was one of those games where obviously betting irresponsibly, which we don't promote here because we're uh, with the record we have, you'd be very rich if you just bet what we said and not chase live. Right. It was a situation where you woke up and now is like so much larger. Yeah. And you're like, wow, it's a good feeling. But it's also like the worst feeling because you could also log in way lower. Mm-hmm. There couldn't be two uh, different feelings on earth than when you think you lost all your money and you mm-hmm. have more in the account. I saw this week Hawaii plays at 1059. That's going to be a close your eyes special. Wake up and <laughs> put the hand over the account and <laughs> slide it right over. See what you got. Yeah, big time. Yep. Uh, and then uh, a breaking recap from this morning. Uh you guys know it from the picture. The con is telling Mayor about it. Yeah, I woke up. I uh, won a CBS sports contest uh, picking spreads week two, and they just sent me $1,000 uh, through CBS. 14 and 1? 14 and 1 that week. And surprisingly enough, the game that Nate and I butted heads on, it's the only game I lost by half a point. It was Utah Baylor, and they gave out minus 7.5 instead of 7. Would have went 14. Oh, this is from two weeks ago. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I, was, I thought they were spamming me with, like, mm-hmm. signing up for a contest. And, nope, Jen, Jen M. from CBS Sports, uh, like, whatever sports book they have, mm-hmm. reached out to me, and she replied right away, just after I confirmed all my information. A thousand dollars. A thousand bucks. For free. You guys need to get this, in this, this contest. business is easy. <laughs> Who needs a job? Yeah, so uh, I skipped week three. Uh, obviously, because you forget those contests. Mm-hmm. But man, week four is lying. We're ready to run it back. Before we uh, move on to week four, I, I do want to hear your guys' quick thoughts because we briefly touched on Michigan State and then Colorado as well. And I don't think we're going to talk about this team this week, so I figured I'd ask you guys now. What did you guys make of the South Carolina versus Georgia game? That game was, you know, like Georgia was able to put them away in the mm-hmm. second half. But mm-hmm. what do we think? Well, I remember at halftime. I think it was like plus 140 South Carolina, minus 160 Georgia with a group of group of guys that really wanted to hammer South Carolina at the time. And you just knew it was a sucker play. Uh, it could just be more of, I don't know, if Carson Beck is necessarily, uh, it's hard to replace Stenson, but I think he was actually very underrated. Yeah. I think he was extremely mobile. And you saw that when they were playing Ohio State too. Stenson Bennett had so much athletics. Um, as far as Georgia though, vulnerable. I, I, I purely that there are about 20 teams that could legitimately make the playoff. And I think every in the nation can be beat as well. If you look at Georgia last year, I 
you know, Ohio State probably should have won that game. That's really disappointing they didn't. But other than that, I don't think there's another team that could have tested them. Sure. Yeah, I mean, TCU was just a couple bounces away from really being back in that game, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's another thing, too, is I remember I had an Ohio State future, so I knew as an Ohio State future holder, and I actually had it for a good amount of money as well, and I just knew they had to get past Georgia because I knew TCU was going to be a walk in the park. Um, even though I was on TCU over Michigan, but once again, just a matchup uh, nightmare for TCU in that championship game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you remember last year, I think it was Ball State. Uh, Georgia just slept walk through that game. They only beat Ball State by like, I want to say 12. It was something. Kent State. Kent State. Yeah, it was a man's. Obviously not comparable uh, to South Carolina besides the spread. I think it was like 36 and a half or something crazy like that. So I, uh, I would go to say by one week, uh, just are they sleepwalking because they're not getting challenged at all? Because South Carolina is bad. I mean, they let North Carolina have like, what, nine sacks on that terrible mm-hmm. defense. Uh, so I don't know. It's really going to be a test. It's going to be – I'm going to be very uh, cautious to dive into Georgia once they start SEC play because of what they're showing on the sleepwalking side. You can't just have these young kids play these cupcakes, and all of a sudden you get thrown into a fucking Baton Rouge mm-hmm. at night. I'm like, oh, yeah, now you have to go win a big game. So I think you bring up a great point. I have some big question marks from Georgia for sure. Yeah. Not to sound the alarm, but, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Mayor, because – uh, although we won't cover them, we're going to cover a, a few big SEC games, uh, and we're diving into week four. Uh, first, we're going to go in order, and we've got seven games instead of six this week. Uh, holy shit. Starts off with a bang. Florida State minus two, minus two and a half. Over-under is 55 and a half, and they're at Clemson. Mayor, what do you got for me on Florida State's side? Uh, Florida State has won eight games in a row. Uh, dating back to last season. Um, they are also are only allowing opponents to rush for 123 yards per game and is currently averaging 216 on the ground, um, which is great, obviously. Um, but if, S- if FSU is able to contain their rushing attack, it could be favorable for them uh, when they played LSU in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State held the Tigers to 113 rushing yards on 27 attempts, which is 4.2 yards a carry. And then last week against Boston College, um, Boston College ran 41 times for 152 yards, which is 3.7 yards per carry. And when I was looking at Clemson's quarterback, um, Kate Klubnick, he hasn't shown much as a runner. His stats this year, uh, 23 attempts for 63 yards uh, on the season. So from state side, I'm looking at this game, if you wanted to bet Florida State, like, okay, if they are able to st- – stop or contain Clemson's running backs, because I don't think you need to worry about the quarterback here, that should set their defense up in favorable spots um, because they're very fast, very athletic. So when I did my dive into Florida State side specifically, that's that's what I came up with. Okay. Will you be betting Florida State? I'm really sure yet. I'm definitely curious to hear your guys' thoughts, and um, I, I really haven't like sided on a side yet. Sure. Nate, what do you got for Clemson? Yeah, so a lot of these... A lot of my, I guess you can say metrics or saver metrics, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> I am leaning towards the underdog here in Clemson. Uh, you know, FSU hasn't, they haven't won a game against Clemson in the last seven tries here. 
Uh, I think the biggest game that everyone looks at when it comes to Clemson is that Monday night, that solo game against Duke. Clemson had 422 yards to Duke's 374, but when you look at the with the final score there, uh, it seems extremely misleading. Duke twice in the red zone. Uh, they had 29 first downs. Duke had 17. Clemson even had one fewer punt, and they lost, I think, what was it, like 26-7 or 29-7. Yeah. It was brutal. It was terrible. I think I was on Clemson on a teaser as well. It was so frustrating that they moved the ball between the 20s and they necessarily couldn't punch it in. Mm-hmm. Now, I also think that's an extreme outlier. Now, FSU-wise, they let up 457 yards to BC, and they had 340 against Boston College. And Boston College actually made a quarterback switch in week one to where I think they actually had the best player currently at quarterback. He's a dual threat. And, you know, Klubnik doesn't really run all that much, but if you've actually seen Klubnik play, you could tell he will use his legs. But his best power and his best weapon is his arm. Hence why he probably should have beat out DJ, hence why DJ actually transferred as well. Um, and same thing, I talked about this last time, that LSU-Florida State game, at halftime, I genuinely thought LSU was better than Florida State, even though I was holding a Florida State ticket, because I had such high hopes for Travis, um, Jordan Travis, but I think at Clemson, and this is really disappointing because this is a day game. I actually think it's a night game, it's a no-brainer Clemson and Death Valley, but as far as... It being a day game, I think maybe it doesn't get as much home field advantage, I would say. But yeah. I would actually – I am going to take Clemson plus two and a half. Really? Okay. Interesting. So I'm going to be in charge of kind of the over-under. Uh, I'm not going to give both sides, just kind of give a few uh, instances of, of where we can win. And what I look to a lot uh, for uh, particular scoring and just winning overall is uh, what's called Havoc. Uh, this is where uh, it's very uh, prominent stat in the last few years uh, in college. And that's basically rating how uh, a defense uh, creates negative plays, turnovers, tackles for losses. Pressures. Uh, pressures, sacks. yep, sacks. And then on offense, it's how little the ball turns over, uh, how little uh, you're getting tackled for loss. Uh, so there's actually an offensive havoc rate. And what we're seeing is that these are two of the highest-ranked offensive havoc-creating uh, teams. Granted, uh, Clemson did gain a lot by just fucking beating the hell out of Charleston Southern, although that was a 7-7 game at the end of the first. Uh, so it could be a little swayed. But they were absolutely creating havoc against Duke, piggybacking off what Nate said. Uh, and, and Florida State, they're actually batting a 1,000 from the red zone. So this team gets down uh, down in the red zone. They're scoring uh, every single time so far this season, which is pretty impressive. I mean, it's crazy. Three games in, not for anything to just go wrong like a fumble. I mean, in college, crazy shit happens down there or turnover and downs. The only thing that, that I hesitate to on just uh, basically blindly following the over here, 88% of the money and 83% of the tickets are on the over. Uh, it's the number set at 55 and a half. I mean, these are two good defenses. Uh, Clemson hasn't shown very big um, uh, what's deep threat uh, power, so it's not like they're going to get over the top of Florida State's defense. Uh, LSU did kind of have their way with Florida State week one and then just didn't cash in in the red zone again. Since then, Florida State steamed to have steadied the ship. Last week, red bandana game, you're at Clemson. That is a classic look-ahead game all like the right scenarios for BC to be the favorable for team. Sure. And Florida State was pulling away 
Mm-hmm. And that game just got very weird in the fourth quarter. Like what was it, thirty-one to like thirteen? Thirty-one ten. Yeah, something. Yeah. It was a it was a fumble by a wide receiver, yeah. like a little out route that really kind of skewed the game. But even then, though, I mean, you could see the wide open spaces. Yeah, Florida State just it seemed like they were. You're right. It was a look ahead game. It seems like they were being pretty lazy as far as uh, giving max effort. Yeah, but I'm also a big believer like. Water finds its level here. Yeah. So I think Clemson, as far as like a program and Dabo at home, probably sprinting down that hill, <laughs> might fall. Well, it, it's hard because this is a game, and we're going to actually talk about a game that's very similar, like the Ohio State Notre game. Uh, it's two prestigious programs that, are, you know, ultimately have two very good teams. Like they probably realistically are in the top 15 as far as like my metrics, as far as good teams. So this game is. Probably the second best on the slate, so I'm excited to see it, and I think a lot of pressure is on, uh, you know, Cade. Yeah, but say so the last thing for whether or not you take the over under is that uh, we've talked a lot about emotion on this podcast, and Clemson has just bullied Florida State the last few years, last half decade, a little bit more incentive, too much uh, meaning pressure on Florida State. Uh, wanting to win this game more than actually executing to win this game. All the money on the uh, spread, minus two for Florida State as well. So I could see this game. Clemson's offense doesn't scare me, but their defense keeps it close. I would actually lean the under here, fade the public, and see this game finish 24-21, something, something right along those lines. Yeah. So the next game up, uh, covering it because technically both these teams are ranked. It's by far the biggest – well, not by far. It's a game coming up here in a couple that will be close. But it is Rutgers plus 24, and they are at Michigan. And that over-under is only 44-and-a-half. So, Nate, what do you got for me on Mid- – or no, Rutgers? Is it bad that I have nothing because I cannot look at Rutgers here at <laughs> all? Literally – okay, these are my stats, and we can, we can talk about it however you guys want to. But – and we can kind of skip over me. Rutgers is 3-0. and They have looked uh, pretty efficient both on offense and on defense. Rutgers' defense is, um, I think it's right in the top five as far as the metrics. Now, who they have faced, obviously we know Northwestern's very down this year. Northwestern actually, you know, a lot of people had UTEP, especially me and Xander had UTEP in that game, and all of a sudden Northwestern knows how to play. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if Fitz was in the building or what happened there, but <laughs> as far as this game goes, you know, I lean very heavily to Michigan. I think Michigan has been untested, but I just don't think that really changes that. I think even after the game, you could still throw out that metric of them being untested. Um, you know, obviously, Mayor will probably go into more stats here, but I do think with Rutgers beating up on Vodtech, which Vodtech, I think I saw, was like on the road at Marshall and Marshall's minus five, which will probably make my card just because Virginia Tech is that bad. But Virginia Tech was on their backup, so I will say that. And Rutgers still let up 190 rushing yards that game. 190 rushing, you got to go up against Michigan's running backs. I, I, those guys might just have a field day. So I don't know how you guys feel about this. I know the quarterback hasn't been really involved inside of the Rutgers game. So as far as my pick here, and it will be a pick for me, it will be Michigan. That's perfect because Mayer's going to give why that's the right pick on why Michigan's going to win minus 24. Yeah, what, what I found when I was looking at this game is uh, through three games, Michigan has allowed a grand total of 16 points. Granted, you have to take into account who they played in those three games. Um, but like I said, they've allowed 16 points total in their first three games, which is an average of 5.33 points per game. Um, on the flip side, they're averaging 32 points per game. I also feel like 
in quite a few of those games, they really took, uh, you know, the gas off the pedal in the second half, where they really could have won those games by 50 or 60 and really wanted to. Minus um, last week. Right. So, um, they have covered uh, 24 points in all three of their games so far this year. Last year, when these two teams played, uh, Rutgers lost 52-17 to 17 to Michigan, um, which would cover that spread as well. So... That's what I found. I think, uh, I think, you know, anyone who follows college football understands that Rutgers going in, um, to Ann Arbor is going to be not just a step up in class, but about four up in class. So this is going to be, uh, just a massive, massive test for them. And then, you know, as far as Michigan goes, we will see if they're, uh, if they're able to like, I don't want to say wake up because I don't think they've been like sleepwalking or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, now, now it's go time. Now, now the big 10 opponents. So let's see. And now Harbaugh is back. So let's see what they're, <laughs> let, let's see how they look. Uh, and obviously a little bit of a bias, but doesn't mean I like <laughs> just automatically fading Michigan. I mean, they're a great team this season uh, based on all their stats. Uh, granted the average spread that they've given so far this year 31 and a half. So um, they're actually 0 and 3 on the under. So all all uh, their games have gone under so far. Rutgers 1 and 2. So they're on the under as well. The thing that uh, really jumps out to me on what could happen here is that Rutgers has just been creating havoc. They're 14th in the country in defensive havoc, 8th in the country in offensive havoc. Michigan has done well as, uh, on both as well, both in the top 30. But the only thing that says to me that uh, there could be a big defensive play in this game uh, that could spark some uh, a little bit of nervy energy uh, at Michigan at uh, 11 a.m. kick. Uh, not saying Rutgers has a chance to win this game, uh, but in, in college football, it's all about momentum. It can carry you uh, a lot further than the actual playing of your team. If you're not turning the ball over, if you're seeing plays work, uh, that can that can bode well for, for seeing an upset like this. The number of 44.5, this game has actually covered over five of the last six years. Granted, you've had some lopsided victories where Michigan scored like 70, just covered on their own. Yeah. Um, so I would actually lean the over here just because of the Havoc presence. Uh, I could see defenses uh, just trading some some blows where offenses are having really great starting field position. And 44.5 is just so that Michigan wins this game 35-14. You cruised over there pretty easily. Uh, so that's what I would lean. If you wanted to go to the under, uh, you could take uh, basically what I just said on both teams being top 20 in defensive havoc, uh, being stout on that end. This game could be... Uh, something where Rutgers can't find the end zone, but Michigan is also having trouble punching it in, collecting field goals instead of touchdowns. Where I wouldn't be surprised if we send like a twenty to three, twenty to seven, Michigan final. Yeah, true. I was thinking. Yeah, but that's definitely a game I won't have the TV unless I see like bottom line Rutgers seven, Michigan ten at half. Maybe then it will flip it on the box, but they need to. They definitely need to show something that they're actually here. So, next game. Ooh, baby. We're at 2.30 slate. CBS. We've got Old Miss plus seven at Bama. Over-under is 54.5. Mayor, talk to me why Bama's going to win this game. Well, what I found out is that Alabama has covered the point spread of seven 
which is what this game is at, three straight times against Ole Miss when the game is played in Tuscaloosa. And the better stat I found, granted, it's a new year. <laughs> However, Alabama has not lost back-to-back home games since 2007, which was Nick Saban's first year Holy as shit. a head coach Damn. for Alabama. So we're talking about 16 years is the last time Alabama uh, has lost back-to-back home games. So, you know, he's going he's gonna to <laughs> he's gonna have them focused and fired up and He's going to try to pull all the strings to motivate them, but at the end of the day, you got to go play the game on the – so we'll see. So are you on Bama? Oh, I haven't picked a side yet. That's fair. Nate, tell me why uh, – tell, why, me, why, tell why, me why there's a goddamn go-kart race outside the house, but also uh, why Old Miss is winning this game and making my futures tickets look a little bit more juicy. You do love Old Miss, and I would argue this might be – one of the best Ole Miss teams in quite some time, and this has maybe been one of the worst Alabama teams in quite some time. Obviously, in between quarterbacks, we know Milrow will be back. I've heard some rumors that maybe it was a suspension or maybe it was some type of slap on the wrist. Obviously, Milrow didn't even see the field, and they quarterbacks that game. He was fully dressed. Right, fully dressed. So I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, I think it was maybe some backlash or some discipline stuff behind the scenes, so not 100% sure there. Uh, Jackson Dart. <laughs> Same guy. I didn't think he was going to be very good. Jackson Dart, another dual threat. And Jackson Dart, you could argue maybe he's not the best quarterback, but he's the best quarterback for this offense, um, just how it's run. I think they're going to see a lot of shot plays, so a lot of hook and ladders, a lot of uh, uh, flea flickers, a lot of those types of Lane Kiffin runs there. Uh, Judkins is back. So he set out last week, their star running back, he'll be an NFL prize. Uh, I think Judkins will be able to have his way here. Uh, Ole Miss so far is averaging 52.6 points per game. So let's say Ole Miss gets to 31. Do we think that Alabama is getting to 38 with the current woes that they have? I'm not quite sure. And obviously Mayer said some stats about them being in Tuscaloosa last year. Granted, at Ole Miss, they lost by six with almost legitimately the exact same squad they had. Jackson Dart, they had Judkins. They had all their current uh, starters outside of a few here and there. And now Alabama has gotten worse. That was a Bryce Young team. That was a much better team. So, in my opinion here, I think Ole Miss might be the play. My only worry is, and I'm sure you'll go into this, is I'm sure... I thought a lot of the public would be on Ole Miss, but I think you've warranted saying that the public is actually on Alabama, and it's a big, hey, this is a big test game for Alabama. I think we've just... We've been giving Alabama a lot of chances. And it's the same thing with Clemson. That's why people have now started to turn on Clemson, is we've given Clemson a couple chances here and there, starting with the game against Duke. And Clemson continues to let down and have these two or three lost, uh, losses in a season. So, personally, I think Ole Miss is the side here. Just catching a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, actually, only 53% of the tickets uh, on Ole Miss, plus seven. Uh, they are getting sharper money, 68% of the money. So, certainly uh, pretty 50-50 on the bet mm-hmm. slips. Uh, Mayor, that stat about uh, Saban not losing back-to-back home games since he first started. That's like one of those fuck you stats of when you're scrolling through YouTube recommended and it's like uh, top plays of every Saban's loss and it's only like a 15-minute long video. It's like, God damn it, dude. We get it. He doesn't lose. You know he'll show that stat about like against assistant coaches too. Yeah. They'll show that within like three minutes. That too. And um, before I get into Kiffin's Kiffin's personal vendetta against against Saban, uh, Alabama – actually has been 
not as much of a havoc creator. I mean, clearly only putting 17 up on South Florida is going to kill you uh, when we talk about offensive havoc. And defense isn't really getting uh, as much uh, pressure as it would be. If you look at uh, that Texas game, they were pretty much doing whatever they wanted on offense. Uh, Milrow is somewhat inept when we talk about actually operating as a quarterback, right? Mid range defenses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got the kid's got a hell of a hell of a fucking arm. Mm-hmm. He can throw, throw the deep ball. ball, and then he can obviously run the ball. <laughs> Just meant from what we've seen. We don't see color. Pump the brakes here, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Seven just seems like way too much. I mean, I I know the band is why you would stay away from seven here, but this is a team that has shown any sort of um, any sort of promise to blow a good team out. Pause. But I'm here to cover the over under, and it's sitting at fifty five and a half. We've got sixty seven percent of the tickets on the over, and only fifty three percent of the money coming in on that. So maybe a little bit more love towards that under. Uh, like Nate just said, that game last year, what, 2620, 2820? It was 31-24. 31-24. Or maybe it was 30-24. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, so close game. You just came to be a little bit lower score. I know that sounds crazy for uh, the type of offenses that both these teams run, uh, but that old Miss team was actually surprisingly different from even though they're the same players, if that makes sense. Because Jackson Dart had close to 900 yards rushing, but he only had like 1,300 yards passing all year. I mean, he was not a guy they trusted to he, throw the ball. He has grown up. Oh, big time. So Big time. This is a game where I would lean on the over, uh, where you can see that there's going to be broken plays. Uh, the thing that concerns me with Old Miss is that uh, so far, they're only hitting at 26% of third-down conversions. So getting off the field too early is something that could be a problem uh, for driving that score up. 55 isn't the highest number, uh, but Alabama, another team that's 100% in the red zone, they started showing that they can do whatever they want on the ground last week. And Tulane pushed Ole Miss pretty much to the edge uh, also on the ground. So uh, I could see this game being close. Uh, Don't really have uh, anything on the uh, spread, but... I would lean the over of a back-and-forth game in the 30s, and I think that kind of soars over it. I think I would, too, and I think I would also lean on points. How can you trust Alabama, right, just win this game, but also win by eight or more? Mm-hmm. So I agree. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but when you watch Ole Miss, depending on how much they score, is they almost like reflect what their opponent is. So, for example, when they were playing that Georgia Tech game, I think it was like 10 to 7 at half. Like, Ole Miss will slow it down and primarily dominate the run. But if the other team starts to score, they will, they like, like to match what the other team's doing. So I think if Alabama is, you know, coming out showing that they can break open plays and start to score, then I think Kiffin does not hesitate and he just, okay, we got to open up the playbook and go for it. So I, I think if it be, if you'll notice by the first quarter, it's going to be a shootout. I mean, I think this can get like the sixth. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing I did want to add on there is that I know they don't release these lines like they do in the NFL. Well, they do. Uh, so Old Miss plus three and a half first quarter. You know for a fact Kiffin is going to have the perfectly designed first 15 plays coming out in this game that they're scoring on their first drive. And that's a that's a bet that I'll probably add at the end. But 
It's a coin toss. This game just means more to Lane than it does to Nick, Mm -hmm. even though he obviously is a smug son of a bitch that loves shoving it up Mm -hmm. his former, especially a guy like Lane. Yeah. But Lane being on the doorstep last year, let's get a shootout and let's get Ole Miss. That's a great game. Great color game, too. And I wonder what Ole Miss is wearing. I hope they're wearing the baby blues. I was going to bet. Kayvon Thibodeau to get a sack tonight. He was plus 220, <laughs> and he just got a sack. <laughs> live update. Yeah, and love you, the live update. And you know I didn't pull the trigger on that. <laughs> you, you missed the live update on the last pot. I said Navy just threw for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Navy game. Yeah, instead, just let's let's put together uh, 150 to 1 same-game parlays and not just plus 220 bets. Gosh. And then Purdy will probably throw an interception here. I'm, uh, did you take that? No. Okay. Yeah, I did. All right. Uh, anyway, back on track. All right, we talked about them, and we're going to talk about them every single week until uh, until the wheels fall off. It's Colorado time. I wish I had a little like buzzer. Colorado, boy, if things changed. Back down to three touchdown dogs, plus 21. 21. Again, over under is fucking insane at 71. Who wants to go first? This is this game is crazy. Uh, I'll let Mayor go first because once again, I'll be pretty heavily supporting on the Oregon side. But of course, I'm happy to talk about Colorado. But Mayor, if you have any stats you want to share before I jump in, yeah. What I found is um, margin of total yards per game. You know, collected on offense versus uh, allowed on defense. So. Colorado has averaged 479 yards per game on offense. However, they have allowed a 400.3 per game, so positive of 18 points per game. And then you look at Oregon, and they have averaged 587 yards per game, which is crazy. And I know they play state in one of those. <laughs> um, but they've uh, they've allowed 205.7 yard game. So that's a net positive of 301.3 yards per game. We have Oregon net positive of 301 against Colorado, uh, 18 then. So that really jumped out to me. Probably justifies the twist right here. Oregon has covered this margin of 21. Can you do something for me? In three straight games against Colorado. And it's a new year, obviously. Just like I said about Alabama. But... Colorado went 0-6 on the road last year and didn't keep the game within 21 in any of those six games. So that's what I found. Making the case for the Ducks. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what, I mean, I'm just fucking perplexed by this. Anytime you see a number, uh, which, I'll, uh, by the way, the last game, saw this a couple of years ago, the Bama, uh, Bama Ole Miss game, pregame was 77.5 over under a couple of years ago, and it actually covered... Anyway, so when you see numbers in the set, it's just so like... I think you have to take the over. Almost have to, but at the same side, like such a huge spread. Mm-hmm. Oregon could just beat the fucking piss out of them and mm-hmm. take everyone out, and Colorado might just back off and concede because Oregon will deflate that ball in the second half. Crazy numbers about what's going to press this game. Colorado is allowed... They're the first, which is the worst thing to be in the country... If averaging 11 penalties that uh, convert into first downs per game, 11 per game that give the other team a first down. Uh, they are uh, averaging 3.3 takeaways, though, and that's third in the country. So basically what I'm seeing is that there's going to be a lot of activity. They are, like Mayor just said, 27th worst in points allowed, bottom 10 in passing yards allowed, 
this is one of the craziest things I've ever heard on a uh, ratio number. Bo Nix is 63-3 and TD to interception ratio at home. It's crazy. That's such a fucking preposterous number. It's Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Right? <laughs> yeah, back in his day, for sure it was. So, this game is obviously going to have pace. You have to think that Dion doesn't know the word quit. Um, but when you actual perspective, you expect him to cover. We're looking at 52-20. to 20 gets you over by one point. And, like, that is – Yeah. That's yeah. so yeah. crazy. You got a team scoring 52. Yeah. Yeah. And the other team also has three touchdowns. So, I would be hesitant to lay the over. I'd just kind of – I don't know. I would, I would uh, pray – not pray. I'd just kind of bite my tongue and take that. I will say that <clears throat> both teams get the opposing uh, teams off the field. Uh, both pretty good on opponent third-down conversions. And both uh, opponent red zone scoring, Colorado actually uh, one of the top in the nation, only allowing their uh, opponents to score in the red zone 58% of the time. So they do bend, don't break. Uh, as much as uh, I'm not really going to lean on the over under this game, but just want to make sure everyone is aware. Yeah. Okay. So why don't I help you with that? Okay. Well, let's not take the over. Let's take Oregon team total over 45 and a half. Um, the reason why I actually love that bet is I actually think Oregon will probably score four touchdowns at half. It'll probably be like 28 to 10 at half. And, and I know you think Oregon might slow down and not push the pedal, but Oregon, you have these types of games, especially in Colorado that's had so much hype. You have to make it if you want to make the college football playoff. You have to. This is a big, uh, spot, especially almost losing to Texas Tech. Probably should have lost to Texas Tech. But here's Colorado. This is how many yards they've let up so far. To TCU, 541. To Nebraska, 341. To Colorado State, 499 yards. Colorado is outgained 499 to 418 and won by eight points. <laughs> also, we did a look ahead line. This was 14 and a half. So you're telling me Hunter's worth seven points. It's probably the biggest change of pace or the biggest spread change based off of one player I've ever seen on any level. Yeah. Um, maybe a college basketball, but even then you're seeing about three or four points if you're having a big guy like Zion back at Duke being ruled out. Right. Um, personally, I actually think the spread's too big because Oregon's defense is not very good either. Um, they've been getting blown up. I think, I think you're okay with the over, but I'm going to take Oregon team total over 44 and a half. 70% of the money, 6% of the tickets over. Uh, and then also we talk about Havoc, Colorado and the Little bottom, they're in the 105 uh, rank of defensive havoc and 105 offensive havoc. They can't, they couldn't run out of a paper bag. The game is just non-existent. I already forgot how many. How many did TCU score week one? 42. 42. Yeah. Okay, so 42 with turnovers, with like 14 at half or like 10 at half or whatever. You're telling me Oregon cannot get to. That's true. I, I love that bet. I'm going to be tailing that bet. <laughs> Oregon team total yeah. over. And there were times. Like, do you see? Oregon not scoring on any drive. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I, I like 45 and a half. That's actually lower thought. Uh, and yeah. uh, I did actually also hear something too. Uh-oh. Um, what did you hear? And not much, but, you know, obviously <laughs> obviously Sanders is actually decently high for his eyes. And odds. they probably have tanked ever since Hunter got out. But don't you think, worst case, they're getting blown out? They're just going to pad Sanders' stats? For sure. So... I don't know. It's just it's same. It's it's one of those rules where when you see a seventy, you have to take the over. When you see an Iowa under thirty six, you have to take it. Yeah, under like it's just like a flip flop. Yeah, I'm not sure they'd pat him if they if Hunter wasn't out three to four weeks. If he was just out this game, maybe I could see that. But 
man, that's such a fucking huge loss on the back on the I back know. end more I than know. the offensive end. Truly, and that's what happens when you run a guy both ways. It's tough to do hindsight twenty twenty, but this could be a Bo Nix Heisman game too. <laughs> Easy now. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that was my that was one of my long shot picks. Well, you know, no, it long, was. Long yeah. shot picks. Like I said, it's crazy. All these you know, SEC and Big Ted quarterbacks going to Pac twelve, Penix, Bo Nix, DJU, and now they're getting love left and right. It's crazy. Just different offenses. Yeah, for sure. The Pac twelve has had a sexy bunch of quarterbacks. And not going to pause on that one. And staying in the Pac-12, <laughs> we're still at 2.30, which is kind of a dick it's move. It's a good game. Kind of a dick move to keep two of the biggest Pac-12 games uh, at 2.30. But UCLA, I gave it to you guys, plus four and a half, plus six, because Cam Rising is playing. And they're at Utah, which is a crazy environment, over under 52 and a half. Mayor, what do you got for me? How is Utah winning this game? Well, the stats that I found when I looked into it is that Utah has won 16 consecutive home games. Shit. Yep. And out of those 16 wins, they have only failed to cover the spread. Uh, got four and a half when at this line, so there might be a slight adjustment for six. But they've only failed to cover one time in those 16 consecutive wins, and that was last year against USC when they won 43-2 to in that crazy game, um, if you remember. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Really nuts. And uh, the other nugget I found is that Utah has beat UCLA three consecutive times at home, covering the margin, uh, again, of 4.5 in all three of those wins. The last time UCLA beat Utah in Utah was 2015. Uh, that game was 17. But really, my big takeaway is that Utah has won 16 straight games at home. This is a uh, rising in. Obviously, we've been waiting for it. It's been anticipation. Mm-hmm. It's been crazy. Uh, both teams uh, have hit the under more. Utah's hit the under three straight games to start the year. UCLA's uh, hit the under twice out of three. Uh, obviously, these are two different types of offenses, too. Chip Kelly wants to push the ball. Uh, more at quarterback is a better option for that offense to be pushing the ball. Uh, UCLA's looked really good since they've fully committed to more. They had that Ohio State situation week one where they were giving both quarterbacks like a full quarter, and mm-hmm. the other kid was just completely inept, uh, and Moore just really showed out. Uh, both teams, pretty good defensive havoc. Uh, I mean, Utah does have a few defensive studs. So playing this game midday, going into the evening, uh, you look at it's kind of one of those classic college football offense versus defense. Which do you like more? UCLA is averaging seven and a half yards per play. So obviously they're trying to move the ball down the field, but their red zone scoring once they get down there is only hitting at 57%. So Kelly's a coach that likes to roll the dice, uh, turns the ball over in the red zone, whether it's on downs or on wacky plays, Yeah, trying to create something that doesn't need to be forced. So the only thing that worries me about this game uh, going over is just rising uh, rusty. I kind of like this game going over because both these teams, in my opinion, are going to be contending for a Pac-12 title. And so I don't think it's going to be a grinded-out style game. It's going to be a feel feel this game out. I would lean the over 52.5. And And, uh, if you like the under, uh, you're just really trusting that Utah can buckle down and uh, consistently play with the up-tempo offense. Yeah. Nate, 
You got anything for UCLA? Yeah, so there's a couple different... I would actually argue this is maybe one of the tougher games to handicap. Florida State and Clemson is definitely up there as well as we've talked about these games so far. Obviously, having rising back is great, but it's something we've been talking about for a long time. So I'm starting to think, are we starting to like overrate rising? You know, would we be having the exact same reaction as, you know, like, let's say Jackson Dart was out this whole time. Yeah. Would we be having the same reaction? I don't know. Tough to say. Same thing as well. You know, do we see a rusty rising? Is he better than a confidence building Dante Moore? I don't know. We'll see. Um, Utah's skill position. You know, Kobe went to the NFL too as well. If their skill positions have really taken over. When I was watching that Florida game, it was definitely more focused on defense and just how bad Graham Mertz was. Yeah. Uh, Carson Steele, transfer from Ball State, averaging 8.1 yards per carry. Uh, once again, we don't see color on this podcast, but it's weird to see a white running back at UCLA. Long blonde hair. Long blonde hair. Talk about him like wrestling alligators and shit like that. So it is crazy. And I know it seems like it's kind of going to the evening, but Utah time is actually at 1230. So, oh, that's right. So it is a day game in Utah, so you're not going to get that smoky night field into Utah, which kind of hurts that home field advantage. Same thing with Clemson. If we could swap these out for some late night Pac-12, you know, you had me on board. Um, I do lean UCLA in this matchup. I think that, uh, you know, I think Kelly's going to get them uh, ready for this game. I think Utah... Just covering six now is definitely way too many. I loved it at four and a half. So for it to come back, obviously that's going in. I think Utah at home is already a four-point swing, so they're saying Rising's worth two points. Totally valid. But I think UCLA can probably cut this and lose to lose about two or three. Okay. Do you guys have any thoughts or quick analysis on are we potentially overrating UCLA right now? Like, could they end up being a team that finishes 500 and, or, you know, three and five or whatever, however it's in their conference. Like, are we, could this be a game where we look back like seven, eight weeks from now and we're like, why in the world were we? How do we not see it? Right. Yeah. I think the way I view it, actually, it's not such a play on UCLA. It's more of a play on Utah. Utah should have lost to Baylor. Um, They didn't really look that great against Florida as well. I think that was more of offensive lows. I think we've talked about that game too. Florida had four or five chances in the red zone Graham Mertz threw a pick, or they've missed a field goal. They they had they pulled a Clemson against Clemson against Duke. So for me to like UCLA, it's not necessarily a play on UCLA and what I think the offense can do. I think it's more of uh, an inept offense on the Utah side of things. Yeah, I kind of see it the same way. It's uh, it's definitely a prove me, prove it to me game, right? Big time for both programs. Uh, yeah, I mean Utah has kind of been around, mm-hmm. but more for the UCLA side is like. This Chip Kelly experiment has been going on for a couple of years now. It kind of got interrupted mm-hmm. by COVID. Uh, they're gearing up to get into the Big Ten and bring the spread style to the Big Ten. So maybe this is a like vaulting point to bring them to a little bit more national prominence. And let's check right now. Let's see what Utah is to ah. Because I, I brought this up on the last podcast. You knew Rising was going to be out a few games. They survived their non-conference. They're 3-0, and and now they're entering Pac-12 with Cam Rising now permanently back forward. You know, is now the time? Because if they beat UCLA, then I think that number disappears pretty quick on what are. Um, let me see. Utah is plus 9,000 to win it all currently. Very long odds. Let's see what they are to just make the playoff. Utah to make the playoff is actually plus 1,000 right now. And once again, you probably have to go 10-2. and Pac-12 is tough. Um Probably have to look at Utah's schedule to see which one of their games are at home, too, because you already referenced it. What did you say? They won, like, the last, like, 10, 13 games at home? Yeah, 16. Yeah, okay. So here's looking at Utah's schedule here. We have at Oregon State, 
at USC, home against Oregon. Wow. Tough, 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 tough. And then at Washington, and then home against Colorado to end the season. That is crazy how hard the Pac-12 hits. Man, that is a gauntlet right now. Yeah, and we're actually going to stay right there in the Pac-12 because they are representing the most of this mega uh, Saturday. I mean, we're going to see uh, what everyone's got, which is pretty awesome since everyone's just been beating off their sweet. They they all beat Cupcakes 13-0 in the conference. Good for you. <laughs> Now we get to see them all against each other. This is one of my favorite games of the week. It's one of my best bets, if not my best bet, lock for the week. Oregon State minus three at Wazoo in Pullum. Pullum, 58 and a half over under. That's at 6 p.m. Central Fox. Wow. I love this game. I'll just, I'll just kind of dive in uh, to some of, some of what I've pulled. Going back to my havoc. I mean, Oregon State has, been the best team creating havoc on both sides of the ball. I mean, in the country, they rank fourth on defensive havoc, second on offensive havoc. Uh, this is something where DJU has shown that he is uh, pretty much finding his comfortable comfortability uh, in his new role. Uh, a little bit less pressure in a Clemson situation. Uh, Wazoo, uh, before they beat Wisconsin, uh, technically they're ranked. But they were a bottom half projected team in the Pac-12. So this could be a, uh, similar to a Colorado situation. Colorado uh, projected three and a half total wins on the season, and they're ranked like 18th, I believe, now. Uh, it's early in the season. I've mentioned this multiple times. Rankings don't mean really much to me. Uh, where we look at a spread, or I'm sorry, an over-under like 58 and a half, I think this game soars way under with two decent defenses so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, both offenses have scored over 34 points a game, but uh, that's a uh, racking it up on a much different situation. Penn State just just played San Diego State last week, which is kind of like exactly like that type of like slugfest type team like against mm-hmm. that type of squad in San Diego State. And yeah. It was 26 to 9. Yeah, exactly. 100% right. And someone on this pod had the under. Crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. And uh, DJU, I mean, he also looks just more comfortable in not needing to shoulder the load of having to force everything uh, down the field. Uh, he's got a decent running back core. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oregon State on the defensive side, averaging 13 points a game allowed. Uh, they're basically allowing just over 300 yards, which is crazy in college football. I mean, NFL, it's a different story. But that's only 4.4 yards of play. I would lean the under here. Um, Wazoo at home at, again, it's going to be a 5 p.m. start, so an even. No, they're full West Coast, so that'll be a 4 p.m. start local time there. Uh, so it, it will get into the night. But they're going to want to control that game on the ground. They're not going to want to. This isn't Mike Leach's Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Rip. Yeah, exactly. R.I.P. to him. R.I.P. the Pirates. I always forget, unfortunately. I know. That he went. That was so sad. But uh, I would. The only thing that's going to uh, defraud me here right now is that this game, Oregon State, the over in the first three games, Wazoo's two and one uh, over versus under uh, in their first two games. So the only one, Wisconsin, going uh, under. I would lead me under here. Love to hear you guys think about the actual game itself. Well, I didn't have much on Oregon State side, but what I did come up with is that they 
they've actually won seven straight games dating back to last season, which is very impressive for a team like Oregon State, who hasn't exactly, you know, been a juggernaut throughout the years. Um, and they've uh, they've won 10 out of their last 11 dating back to last year. So this is a team that's 10-1 and one in their last 11 games, and they appear to be in, improved with the addition of Ugalubalubi uh, this season. So, Perfect. yeah, thank you. So, um, it's interesting, you know, like I think a lot of people, people who follow the sport closely could tell you that they're 10 and one in their last 11 games. Um, so that popped out to me. That's all I got. Now I will say, I looked at the doc there, so I saw a little spoiler as far as where you lean on this game. Mm-hmm. Now I, I am pro Oregon state. I gave it on, on the pod last week by giving the under against San Diego state. Yes. San Diego state's a very slug fest. They'll slow it down. They don't have a great offensive metrics. But the play on the Oregon State was mainly based on defense. Once again, when you see Oregon State flying around with those black unis, man, just for some reason, teams cannot score a lot of points. Last three games for Oregon State defense, they let up uh, 326 yards against San Diego State. Uh, UC Davis only had 166 yards. And then a game that I believe this is week zero, but it was San Jose State that we thought, you know, had a pretty good game, only had 279 total yards. Um, Their running back, Martinez, 8.8 per carry. 351 yards so far, last three games, 102, 104, and 145. And the 104, he only had seven carries against UC Davis, even though, I guess you could say how good they are. Now, I will say Cam Ward has looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, Cam Ward is one of those dual threats. He's almost like a so much more upgraded uh, Delora from Arizona as well. Uh, I saw the Wisconsin game. I saw them take care of business there. I do think Wisconsin's a decent team, so I do think that's the best win between both of these programs so far. Um, but like I said, I kind of looked at the docs, so I know where you're leaning here. Mm-hmm. I uh, I do lean uh, Washington State right now just because I, I think they have a, a lot of momentum, and I guess you could spoil me by saying, well, Mayor, didn't you just say Oregon State has won 10 out of their last 11? Um, but uh, I was surprised now, I won't say super surprised, but I was mildly surprised to see Washington State get the outright win against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. I did think them getting plus six was a, a good number. And when I just see this game, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts because I just, um, I don't know. It's like Washington State seriously is is getting points in this Should game they be catching at, home? at yeah. home after they beat, you know, Wisconsin. And I understand Wisconsin had some, like, turn, you know, some turnovers in that game and things like that. But the line just doesn't sit right with me. I feel like, if anything, mm-hmm. it should just be like a pick or something, not catching three. Vegas has been very high on Oregon State. You could, If you actually look at some of Oregon State's past lines, I think they were like minus 24 and a half against San Diego State. Oregon, or Vegas is bought very high on Oregon State. You could tell sometimes with teams through and throughout um, on like where Vegas is high on, Clemson being one of those always. Um, another, I think Washington State at home, you know, if this turns into a track meet, which the over-under is 59, and obviously me and Xander do leave me under, but if it turns into a track meet, I do think the advantage is Wazoo. I just think if it comes down to who can make a one more stop than someone else, that's why I would lean Oregon State minus a three. But, of course, if you put in a teaser, I think now you're getting to a point advantage where I think with an offense like that, I think you can cover. Sure. Yeah, that game, definitely going to have some eyes on it. I uh, love it. Good so, jersey game, too. Big time great jersey game. <laughs> Uh, the next game, boy, talk about getting sloppy to put it at the end of the night. We got a game that's over under 40. It's Iowa plus 14 and a half at Penn State, 630 CBS. 
man, CB, talk about threesome. CBS just getting in bed with SEC and Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> but. Gross game. And NBC. Gross game, but great game. Look out. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever you say. Uh, because. This is Big Ten country. It sure is. Yeah, this is a big pro Big Ten pod. I'll, I guess I'll start us off again, but dating back to uh, last year, uh, including uh, this year, the Iowa Hawkeyes have covered under 41 and a half, uh, 13 out of the last 16 games. I mean, defense travels, mm-hmm. obviously, because, you know, the crowd is a little quieter when the home team is on offense. Uh, Iowa defense has never had to prove anything. They've always been a stout defense, but man, Caden McNamara looks hurt. Uh, he wasn't good to begin with. He could stay hurt. <laughs> exactly. And have you seen that backup, by the way? Yes. Oh my God. You should have seen their starters last year. No, no. But have you seen like how big he is? Oh yeah. He's like huge. He's like a tight end, but he's terrible. But he's terrible. <laughs> it doesn't matter how tall you are, brother. But as you're kind of breaking down, though, this game not just screen likes. Yes. They're like 20 to 9. I'm like, with you. Like, Iowa gets a couple field goals. Especially with Iowa's top two running backs being out in this game and their top tight ends. Some people say is their best skill player on the team. Yeah, and and I, I don't know how much stats we can break down in this game, but have you guys been able to watch much Penn State? Yeah, I watched the whole game against Illinois last week. Yeah. And, and it, Drew Ayler does look good, but does he not look like a little... A little slow. He can't move. Like, he's like a statue in there. Seriously. So, so, I guess that's, like, I think Iowa doesn't have to worry about a quarterback run. They don't even have to put a spy on him. So, I think they can drop, you know, six or seven pretty much every play. Yep. And the defense is pretty stout. As Xander already mentioned, defense travels. So, it, like I said, we looked at Colorado, you'd take the over because there's no defense. And that's why I mentioned with an Iowa game, do you just have to take the under or... Yeah. How do you guys feel on, like, spreading stuff? I mean, unfortunately, when you look at Havoc, you would think well, Iowa's going to be a top team in Havoc. They're 92 in the country in defensive Havoc. They haven't really been doing much as of last year. If you can remember, they won uh, their opening game with only defensive scoring. I think it was a safety, uh, defensive specialty, mm-hmm. safety, and uh, two field goals. It was like 8-3, to 8-6. to six. Yeah, 7-5 to five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something just absolutely bananas. Yeah. Uh, and then Penn State leads the country. They're number one overall team in uh, offensive havoc. That's because they haven't thrown an interception yet. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, I mean, Mayor texted us, uh, the group that Brian Hoyer said on PMT, that by far the whiteout night game mm-hmm. at Penn State is the hardest to play on the road. I've been there. It, it, I can confirm it's an insane environment. Yeah. Truly insane. Uh, but – I just I truly don't see how Iowa can score and how this game would then be forty one to nothing, uh, Penn State. So you the only way it happens where over under gets destroyed is is specialty. And Penn, yeah, yeah, and, and pick sixes, fumble sixes, yeah, yeah. And Penn State uh, consistently scoring touchdowns instead of field mm-hmm. goals. Uh, Iowa does have a decent red zone offense, or I'm sorry, defense, uh, where when you Look at them. They only allow one-third of the uh, – I'm sorry. They've kept one-third out of the red zone from scoring, whereas Penn State has allowed every team to score it once they got mm-hmm. into the red zone. So a little troublesome there, but you brought it, you hit it right on the nose. This game could be 24-6. to six. It could just be – yeah, it's one of those games you bet you don't watch. Like you just follow on GameCast. 
and maybe I'm just speaking of experience because we've gone through so many games that are literally just hard hitter, hard hitter. Yeah. And this game, maybe you'll have it on on like a background, and and you know, of course, we'll watch it as Big Ten fans because this is actually quite the uh, statement game from Penn State because I already talked about their schedule. They don't have any any hardship until they reach Michigan, so Penn State can get through this test. Um, I did take Iowa over seven and a half to- team total wins before the season. They're already at three and zero. Next games after this is home against Michigan State, home against Purdue, and then at Wisconsin, then home against Minnesota, and then at Northwestern. So I think Iowa, for Kurt Friends to keep his job, I think will end up being like ten and two again. But also, <laughs> did you guys see that bad beat? It was at home against Western Michigan. My brother had plus twenty eight and a half, and then Iowa goes for it on fourth and goal with like seconds left. Mm-hmm. Oh. He didn't know that Kirk Ferentz before had an interview saying that they had to score, you know, like average 28 points per game or something like that for him to keep his job. No, Brad Ferentz. Or, yeah, sorry, his, his son. Oh, his son. Yeah, his son is the offense coordinator, I think. And, 25 uh, a game. Yeah, 25 a game. So I think that's why they went for it. I don't think my brother knew that. that. Well, uh, they said that it was a fifth string running back. He's not going to get many more opportunities. So they copped out. And then Ferentz came on, the son, I think it's Brad Ferentz. Uh-huh. Monday and said, I'm tired of hearing about this 25 a game thing. Y'all can, uh, like, get off my ass about it now. Mm-hmm. And that was it. The so. thing is, defense does travel. I actually wouldn't be surprised. Iowa is 24th in the country. I would not be surprised if this is a three point game where Iowa just fucking sneaks it up. It's nine to six. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> It'll be like 12 to nine. Yeah. Well, Mayor, you have anything else on this game? Because I'm ready to move to the, the coup de trois. Yeah, those, those are kind of my thoughts as well. Like, Iowa has started the season 3-0. and um, And, you know, they took care of business against Iowa State. And even though Iowa State might not be very good this year, like, they have done what they've needed to do to start the season. And like I said, I watched the entire Penn State-Illinois game last week. And I just walked away just not impressed with Penn State. That's just what it is. Illinois is bad. Illinois is bad. <laughs> Penn State's quarterback could not move, as Nate said. And um, they just didn't look explosive to me. One game struggled against the Illini. They only benefit, they, they really covered that spread because the Illini turned the ball over mm-hmm. five or six times. Yeah, in the that defense game. looks good. Yeah. So, you know, as long as Iowa can do a little bit in this game and maybe create a turnover, and I know, Burns, you said that Penn State hasn't thrown a pick yet. I yeah, believe. correct. Yeah. But boy, I, I think 14 and a half in order Iowa to cover is the, really the only way I can look right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Like, yeah. 40 points. Ugly game. Ugly, ugly game. How do they get there? So while that game is being just, yeah, this next while that game's stinks. moving, <laughs> next game, game of the entire slates, classic six versus nine, Ohio State minus three on the road in South Bend, over under 55 and a half. You could get Ohio State minus 14 and a half look ahead to start the season. Wow. Down to minus three. But that was, bef- that was before Hartman uh, transferred, though. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start? Because I'm going to kind of reserve myself because obviously I have a lot of uh, homer feelings. So I don't, I don't really have too much to say about this game besides I'm on Ohio State. I'll start with, with, my, my, entire, with my entire life. <laughs> I'll start with my uh, Buckeye Nuggets. They are... They're five and two all time in the series. They've actually won the last five meetings, and um, they uh, basically Notre Dame's two wins came in 1935 and 1936. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't play again until 1995, uh, sixty years later, and uh, so we'll call it the modern era of football. <laughs> and Ohio State is five and zero oh in those meetings. Um, I also 
in my notes, most people know this, but obviously Ohio State covered the spread and beat Notre Dame 21 to 10 last year, which would, you know, cover this three point spread here that I'm referring to when I say cover the spread. And then dating back to 2019, Ohio State is 15 and one road games, and they've covered this specific point spread of three in all 15 of those wins. So it kind of like the Alabama stat I said earlier, Ohio State has been him for a while now. So it's not shocking to hear that, but they're elite for a reason. Nate, talk to me. I know you want to tell me all about your Notre Dame No, side. well, okay. And, and this is what I meant before when I was on the podcast, when I, you asked me about the Michigan State games. People tell you sometimes my, I take all fans out of it when it comes to making money. It's all I'm asking. You know, I'm like that. You know, <laughs> I can tell you the defense when he's up. I'm sure you can see them if I'm 10 there. Uh, last year's... Uh, you know, Western Kentucky, they left 540 yards to UF, 365 yards to Houston, uh, Houston Christian, which is an FCS school, and then 502 yards to Ohio State. So, uh, I think I can watch you their game plan. Another thing is we don't see Kirk, but can I really take Ohio State with a white guy uh, at quarterback? I don't know. It's been a couple of years. Um, another thing is estimate. So, this is one of the few teams that actually has already played four games, so you can say they're a little bit more seasoned. Uh, they have faced so far the toughest opponent in NC State out of both teams so far. Uh, estimates first four games. We have 95 and 1, 6 and 1, 134 and against NC State, and then 176 and 1. Uh, if you've seen this guy or gotten to see him yet, uh, here's really my math. At, I have estimate greater sign Henderson and Hartman greater sign McCord. And it's going to go. Um, Hartman's more of a seasoned vet. He's 24 <laughs> years old. McCord's first true uh, test road. I don't think playing at Indiana really counts. Um, McCord's 21. He's going in there with a lot of weapons. I think Mbuka, uh, or however you want to say his name. Mbuka. Yeah, and, and Harrison is good. I think Harrison will be a very great talent in the NFL. I hope he's on my dynasty team one day. But that being said, I actually do lean Notre Dame plus three, and even more, I actually lean the over. I think this is going to be quite opposite from the game that we saw last year. That was week one, I believe, is when they played. I think I was at a wedding, too. And I remember just going to the bathroom, and I was like, wasn't it the same score? I was just out here 45 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I do think offensive weapons do outweigh great teams. I think there's some talents that can really put up the points. Um, against NC State, you saw before the rain delay, the scoring wasn't ultimately happening. It seemed like it was actually going to hang around that game. And then the minute the rain delay ended, Notre Dame blew up and scored like 38 points. Estimates constantly running an open field. So I'm going to go ahead and just I'm just going to take the home the home crowd. I'm going to take the field goal. Does OSU win by a point? Sure. I'm going to take the three. Okay. This isn't really the NFL, so uh, you can take the three. Most games in college don't really end one or two, unless we're talking overtime. And I just signed my kiss of death, of course, right there. But I'm not really going to dive into it. I mean, Ohio State dominates on defensive havoc side when we're uh, matching up with Notre Dame. Uh, I would scratch Notre Dame's first game against Navy. They had three months to prepare for the option. Uh, we called it exactly how it was going to play out on this uh, pod, is that when you have to prepare for an option six days or five days in advance, that game is much different. Not saying they don't win, but when you have three months to just completely take that away from them, uh, wasn't truly impressed by that, but I was impressed by the moxie of Notre Dame coming out of like a two-plus-hour rain delay against NC State, and they did pull away. Uh, they Hartman obviously looks good. They have no-name wide receivers. Estime is a beast. But Ohio State's defense is number two uh, in total defense in the entire country. Um, 
Last week was the first week that Ryan Day actually committed to Kyle McCord. I was talking to Mayor uh, and Nick off the pod about I just needed to see some confidence out of McCord, and I think maybe Western Kentucky was a good get-right game, like you said. Mm-hmm. You could probably score on him. But when he doesn't have to constantly look over his shoulder, like, oh, if I throw an interception, am I done playing here? Now that he's fully committed, I think that should have been from the start. Don't want to get into Ryan Day handling the situation, but it you just said it, but you went the opposite way. When you have two defensive teams that are top 10 because they played such bad schools, Ohio State is only allowed five and a half points per game. You expect the dudes to show out, and Ohio State has more dudes. Like, SMA is a dude. And Marvin Harrison, Emeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, Travion Harrison, Henderson, and McCord isn't that dude, but you just have Hartman and SMA. Ohio State goes on the road and makes a statement here. They've dropped in the polls three consecutive weeks from winning. I think Ohio State, I would take Ohio State up to five and a half, six. And. Not saying I'm going to please them up there, but if this line somehow mm-hmm. uh, continues to get bet up. As far as the over-under, I like where your head's at. These are two defenses that are top 10, more or less because of the opponents they've played. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing against them. It's impressive to handle your business. Uh, you need to do what you have to do. You can't let like all these garbage time little schools come in because they are playing second, third string defense as well. Uh, both sides, Notre Dame and Ohio State. But... That's just good coaching right there. I do think it is one of those night games trading blows. I see Ohio State winning 38 to uh, 30, 38 to 28. Way over. Yeah, way over. Way over. I think this game uh, is just, Hmm. yeah, I think it's a a really good game. I don't think it's a Ohio State blowout by any means, but I think you're safe weighing the three on the road. I just don't understand on on the other end how one player is worth uh seven to eight points in Hartman transferring there, and then also another five points just based on playing cupcakes. So if Ohio State was just teams, you take the quarterback away, 14, two touchdown favorite on the road four months ago, how are they down to three? You have to take that in consideration as well when we look at the other 21 guys on the mm-hmm. field going head-to-head because nothing else changed on Ohio State's side. Mayor, split the tie. I lean Notre Dame right now. Whoa! Oh God! My only worry. Oh Lord! I will say my only worry, and, and you know, we all we all absorb content pretty much all day, every day. It seems that people are pretty heavy on Notre Dame, right? It's a it's a, it's a Colorado effect. Colorado and Notre Dame have been the two talked about teams through and throughout of the season so far, just because they have kind of shocked the world. And I think the line change has been more about the impressive play with Notre Dame. And, you know, when you have Hartman transferring from an ACC school that, you know, was averaging 40, didn't really play a whole lot of defense, but now he's carrying that over to Notre Dame. And I think what I love about the Notre Dame offense is it's not all Hartman. Like, you're relying on probably the best running back in in college. Very balanced. Very balanced across in the trenches. Oh, line solid. So, for me, and by what I mean by plus three, I could see this being like 30 to 23 Notre Dame scores last minute and goes for two and doesn't get it. Something like that. I can see something weird like that happening. Now, of course, I know you don't get too many uh, late games there because they'll just go for it on fourth down. But, yeah, I like Notre Dame at home. I just think the crowd's going to be nuts. Touchdown Jesus. And I'm just – I actually am very excited just to see how McCord handles it. And, actually, I'm I'm okay with saying whoever wins this game makes the playoff. 
Yeah, sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though, is when, when I come on here and you ask me about Michigan State, I flat out tell you they fucking suck. No, I'm kidding. So it's just like, I need you to be like... I will say that... What if they lose? To that point... What, what are you going to do? To that point, I think Notre Dame has a stronger path to get to the playoff if they lose versus Ohio State. For sure. Ohio State has to beat Michigan and, and Penn, State. Penn State on the road, mm-hmm. whereas Notre Dame... I'll give that up to Ohio State. They do have the tougher schedule than Michigan, for sure. If you look at Big the two time. sides, and this game might make it out by, like, a huge thing. But I actually think if Ohio State comes in there and can win by, like, 10 to 13 points, they have my utmost respect, and I'll be on them again, and I'll lose for the third time in a row against Michigan. Nope. No, you will not. I hope not. Uh, I hate losing one. No, I mean, you, you bring up great points. Like I said, I don't see this being a blowout either side. Uh, I'm just more confident in what Ohio State brings to the mm-hmm. table overall in the last four to five years. Uh, consistency. You have to remember Marcus Freeman is also still a new well, coach. She coach. Still a new coach. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> uh, actual numbers, too. Sharp money is coming in Ohio State. They're only getting 34% of the money. Uh, mm-hmm. 60% of the the uh, tickets are on Notre Dame. And then also, sharp money is coming on the under, actually. Mm-hmm. So, And then 80% of the money, no sharp money, coming in on Notre Dame plus 130. This, this might be a lot of Joe Schmoes out there. This might be the only game they watch. Mm-hmm. This might be at dinner with the kids, and you're trying to load up DK and throw some money on it. <laughs> May I say, another great jersey game. Yeah, for sure. Notre Dame doesn't really wear the all-gold domes, surprisingly, that much anymore. Yeah, it's true. I don't know what's going to come out for this game. I know they're very traditional. If so they wear the greens, it's Ohio, you should lie better how State might. If they wear the more. greens, I will. I will. I know they won't. <laughs> I know it'll be tradition, but... What do you think they'll be? Dark blues and Ohio State. Dark blues lights? and gold yeah. pants, and then Ohio State will be uh, still. They're going to zoom in on those helmets. Oh god! <laughs> hey, pump the brakes, brother. <laughs> yeah. So that wraps up. I know that was a lot, but man, such a fucking great slate. Uh, and that brings us into our best bets. Uh, before we get into the best bets, any games that uh, we didn't want to cover that. You guys want to speak up about that? Maybe the three of us can dive in before we just rat, rattle off our, our favorite bets. Man, I wrote down too many, so we'll try to keep it quick. Sure. So I'll go through the games that I wrote down. So Friday night game, Wisconsin at Purdue. Wisconsin's laying. It's now down to five and a half. I said uh, I wa- we watched Burns. You yeah, I, we watched the Purdue Syracuse game. Wolf. Last week, and yeah, it was um, what I took away from that is that outside of Purdue's turnovers, they couldn't run the ball effectively against Syracuse, and now they have to play a Wisconsin, you know, a stout Wisconsin defense. They've at, they've allowed ninety three point three yards per game on the ground, and I was talking to Nate earlier, and I said to me, this game feels like a stepping stone game for Wisconsin with their new coach, who has already been on the road and lost to Washington State. I think they'll be able to take those lessons that they learned a couple of weeks ago and apply them in a positive direction against a Purdue team that I'm fine fading in this spot. So I actually do like Wisconsin and laying the point. Great. I got nothing on it. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. When we were having this conversation, I love this over. I placed it on Monday. I have over 53 and a half. Uh, same thing that I said, said to Mayor before. This is not your mother's Wisconsin team. This is a run and gun team. Uh, new head coach Tanner Mordecai coming from SMU. All he doesn't, all he knows is how to throw deep. You still have Brandon Allen there, so still very good running back tandem. You guys watched that Purdue Syracuse team, and I was saying this: <laughs> Schrader had 109 rushing yards as a quarterback <laughs> against Purdue. Also, I that that game was throw. 
Um, I think there's a couple of stops in the red zone, and I maybe even a fumble in that game too as well. Yeah, ended up 35-20, and that was with a first just seven zero uh, first quarter. So I think this game could easily uh, get in kind of like a thirty-five to thirty. Also, if you watch the Wisconsin uh, Georgia Southern game, the Georgia Southern quarterback had three hundred and eighty-three yards. How? When's the last time you heard three hundred and eighty-three yards against the Wisconsin defense? Crazy. Um, the Wisconsin defense run defense is good, but if you look at Purdue, they uh, Hudson Carr threw through for 46 attempts in that game as well. Yeah. So he dropped back. If you actually, since you guys watched that game, you probably should have seen a lot of three and four wide out uh, sets. The running back, he's not very efficient. So I do think this will just be, hey, Wisconsin's good at the run. We should just exploit them via pass. Um, Wisconsin has been throwing a lot of 20 plus yard plays as well. I think this game gets up and over the total easily. Very good. Next game I wrote down was uh, Kentucky at Vanderbilt. Kentucky currently laying 13 and a half points. Oh. Um, in my notes here, I said Vanderbilt couldn't stop Brentwood High uh, from scoring 25 <laughs> right now. Um, they lost to UNLV last week, 40 to 37. Um, we should have had that on the five point road fence. Did I not? I mean, we didn't know a thing about the game. Just said out of principle, we need to fade Vanderbilt as five point road, road favorite to a Division One school. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were at South Dakota State. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I also wrote down it's a revenge game for Kentucky because they lost to Vanderbilt last year in Lexington. Um, I don't know. I'm made to be talked off of this, but I feel like I'm back on full fate of Vanderbilt and they're back to sucking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Devin Larry, uh, transfer from NC State. Uh, very good quarterback for Kentucky as well. So maybe a different look as far as Will Levis. Um, we all saw Will Levis kind of fall apart towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, dude, Vanderbilt's defensive is just got awful. Mm-hmm. Now, Vanderbilt can actually score, but it's just very much like a North Texas this year. If you peeped any of their games, they could put up 45, but they'll let up 73. Sure. So it's just how it happens. Uh, I have no play on that game um, just because I won't even want to even sniff it. But I, I definitely would lean Kentucky in this uh, revenge spot. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down Auburn at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is laying seven and a half points here. And my only note was... Up to eight and a half. My only note was, what am I missing? Yeah. Why isn't this spread 17? What am I missing? Is the, is the quarterback hurt? What, what What's going on here? What am I missing? Texas A&M was favorited against Miami just two weeks ago. And some they came into the season with very, very high expectations. Whereas for Auburn, people are like, this team is garbage. So why is this spread seven and a half? I hear you, brother. That's one of uh, that's on my card. Mine I too. I agree with you. Mine too. I saw that immediately. I, this Auburn team is not good. Move the ball. Uh, I love Texas A&M, and the only thing that stops us is whatever fucking curse is over Jimbo Fisher and them just underperforming the past yeah. two and a half years. That's really I I can't explain that either. Yeah, the only thing is it's eight points uh, in SEC play. You know, you can at definitely get Texas A&M. Though. At Texas A&M, you it's can definitely Kyle get Field. you can definitely get backdoored here, unfortunately. But yeah, Auburn three zero, but they have Peyton Thorn transfer from Michigan State. Trash. Mm-hmm. They're actually in between quarterbacks, so they have a running quarterback and they have Peyton Thorn. Shout out. So man. I definitely do not like um, a team that's in between quarterbacks here too. I like without even looking when I saw it in the doc when you said what am I missing? I actually thought you were going to be on Auburn. Um, so I'm glad to hear you're on A and M. That that was I was already in my card. Very good. Um, I didn't really have any notes on this one, but Texas Tech at West Virginia, West Virginia getting six points at home here. 
Um, all I wrote down West Virginia catching six has my attention. I don't want to overrate them. I know they lost to Penn State, and they didn't cover because James Franklin scored the touchdown late. Um, but I did. I do know they beat Pitt last week at home in Texas Tech. I'm not Handled sure. Them. I'm not quite sure what Texas Tech has done to earn my vote of confidence to lay six with them on the road in a conference game. So I was curious if you guys did. My only thought was the first time I saw this line was Hammer Texas Tech. <laughs> you know, it's kind of gone up towards Texas Tech, too. I know. So it's been, you know what I think it is? There's some of these Vegas, or there's some of these games that I think Vegas just takes like big time into metrics and they start to move the line based on that stuff. And then when I see sharp movement on Texas Tech, it just makes me think maybe a, a sharp better or something like that is on Tech. West Virginia really didn't play all that bad against Penn State. They handled their business against uh, Jerkovich over there at Pitt as well. Um, at you know home against West Virginia, I'm okay. I'm okay with taking the points. I have no issue with that. Seems like it's a tough place. Eighty four percent of the money they're on, burning couches on a road favorite, uh, getting a touch or giving a touchdown away. Seventy two percent of the bet slips. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I first saw that game and was like, yeah, I'm going to be on Texas Tech, that's probably so low on the card that it's just a stay away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can we do a couple more of these? Or Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple I want to cover. And uh, one more thing before we get too far ahead. Again, it just seems like um, – fuck, what was, the, what was the game last week? Uh, oh, the UNLV Vandy game. I just fade UNLV minus four – or I'm sorry, uh, Vandy minus five as a road favorite. Uh, Kentucky only giving two touchdowns to Vanderbilt. At Vandy. It, come on, brother. That's, Trust me. That's a whole Kentucky crowd. I know. It, it <laughs> that is, is a no, whole Kentucky this is, crowd. This is one of those games, and, and for those that are actual, you, this is one of those games where the ticket prices are deep high just because Kentucky's coming into town. Same thing as if George is playing at Vanderbilt. There's no one there that is wearing gold and black. Kentucky has a decent squad. Devin Leary is a, a very good quarterback. Uh, their running back transferred from Vandy. Uh, he was their best player mm-hmm. last year. I mean, that's I would take that now as soon as you're listening before because I feel like that number is getting to 15 by Saturday. That's a number you get on the positive side. Don't pay for the extra juice. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that game up. I would be on Kentucky's side than Vanderbilt possibly pulling up a shocker again. Yeah, for sure. The next game I wrote down was uh, Maryland's. Minus seven and a half at Michigan State. Um, are we are we full fade on on the Spartans right now? Is it is it just lay the points with Maryland and watch them cover? Yeah. So this game is one of my this game is one of my favorite tease games. So I'd be teasing Maryland down to point five. So pretty much just to win the game outright. Um, Michigan State has some big issues. They really do. They don't. The problem with Michigan State is we don't have an identity. We we don't know if we should be running the ball. We don't know if we're defensive focused. We don't know what we have with a Noah Kim. Obviously, we're having head coach issues. We're having issues in-house, too, as well. Um, Maryland bouncing back from down 14-0 to, to you know, just demolish Virginia, Virginia 42-14, to I thought was heartbreaker. Decent. Yeah, it was a heartbreaker. We were obviously uh, in on that game. But you know what that actually showed me is I think Maryland has enough talent in order to beat up on what I would consider a weak mission. Only thing I'll say, 89% of the money on Maryland minus 7.5. And 73% of the tickets. Tease it down. So the uh, sharp money is on Michigan State. I don't have a play on that. Uh, extremely gross game. Been following the Big Ten long enough to know that yeah. Michigan State just got blown out at home. Mm-hmm. They're at home again. I could see that game. Yeah. Michigan State winning or 
losing by three. Yeah, you just never know. And I think Sharp Money was at Michigan State last week. So don't don't always think Sharp Money's right. Like I said, scores have to win. I That's the reason why we're gonna put Sharp Money on Maryland. There you go. Just just saw the just saw the notification. Uh next game I wrote down this is just a very odd game, but attention. It was uh Colorado State getting three points yeah. at MTS card here locally, okay, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote down here, is this a full-on letdown spot or an opportunity to capitalize on almost Colorado? Like, mm-hmm. how is the squad going to come into this game in, you know, the middle of nowhere, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. It's a capitalized game. This is, yeah, I think you're going to be in agreement with me. This is a hammer, Colorado State. No? This is an MTSU play. Oh, my 100, God. 100%. They're projected to be second in that conference. They lost to Mizzou by four points. By four points. Mizzou just went out and took out Kansas State. There is no – you can even watch Colorado State in that game. They move slow. They just move slow. Colorado's defense is really just that bad. Their uh, offense moves the ball, though. You would think that, but the first game, Colorado State didn't. They're 0-2 for a reason. I'm personally on MTSU minus three. I think this is a huge letdown game after just blowing their load at Colorado. Oh man, I think this is a, a pissed off, just unleash some some anger. <laughs> and they they move the ball in Colorado. I mean, I'm they, glad we're on opposite sides. I guess so. Maybe I mean, I bet that that's a six o'clock game, right? Do yeah, another one of those under the radars. But this is also such a big week that I think the money is in the crumbs. So I think games that's like true. that are possible. Yeah, that's what Mayor and I were just talking about. Is I'm having anxiety about this week. Because there's so many big games. Watch the big yeah. games. Bet on the small games. Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a pretty great. Wow, you are a little bit wise. What can I say? <laughs> the extra chrome. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like what he's doing with this. I mm-hmm. I think MTSU stinks. And what does it matter well, if you're what's that, what's that over under on that for Do us? Do you have that? You no, you continue. Okay. I'll find that real quick for us. Um, next game I wrote down Texas at Baylor. Um, probably a more anticipated game coming into the season than it is currently, but Texas is still what ranked second or third in the country right now. Yeah, I think yeah, third. So when, when I checked this morning, Texas minus fifteen at Baylor in-state rivalry. I said I can only look to buy more Texas stock and fade Baylor <laughs> at the moment. Before I jump into that, because I have a huge opinion on that one too. So Colorado State has scored twenty-four against Wazoo State and thirty-five against Colorado. And the over-under in this MTSU game is 51 and a half. Wow. I mean, I don't think Colorado State's defense looked all that great either. They, so Colorado State has let up 50 and 43. Man. 51 and a half. That's right, so, so low. So, uh, Baylor. Uh, I have Baylor plus 15. Okay. The reason why is the same reason why Utah came into Baylor. Uh, coming into Waco as a strong favorite typically does not end well. I think Baylor should have won that game outright, if not covered. Obviously, we saw what they had to do by pushing that guy in the end zone. Um, Baylor's going to be wearing their freaking green and, and yellow, and just for some reason, you're going to look up, and it's going to be like 21 to Can you do some for me? 14, fourth quarter, seven minutes left. Just obsessed with colors. It, I'm just obsessed with colors, but it is just <laughs> weird. I like the. I think this could be a Texas uh, letdown spot. We're getting into conference play here. I think Texas actually wins this game by 14. So I'll just take 15 and take the extra point and, and hope Baylor can, what, score 17 points? Right. 31-17. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. If Texas is as good as some people say they are, they cover this line. I have I do have Texas in my final four because I, I think by looking at Texas's schedule, they shouldn't have much of a test until later in the year. Um, I actually think their first test is going to be like – at TCU, just because I think TCU has enough guys to score. 
don't know if they have enough guys to stop him. Um, but yeah, I'll probably be on Baylor there. Another one of those where we have such a good card, I don't know if I'm going to be laying it for sure and, and, and place it, but as of right now, it's on my card, so I think I got to. Baylor got a little scared by Long Island University last week. Isn't that crazy? Did you see the highlight of the quarterback throwing the underhand pass like 40 yards down the field? No. Was it from Long Island? Yes. Oh, I'll have to look that up. I've never seen anything like it. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you saw it. Oh, my God. Dude, it's like a... It's like what you do when uh, you have like your your nephews over or something, and you're just like fucking around in the backfield, and you just kind of like underhand throw it behind your mm-hmm. back. So if he underhand throws it in front of himself, <laughs> really <laughs> feel sounds like he's got an arm. Sounds Dude, it was like, like he, it was like, like he's transferring. It was like Byung Young Kim in the shotgun. <laughs> he, he went full submarine. He's like, hey, I'm six two. Why don't we just throw the ball from a three eleven stance? Yeah. Um, I got three more. Is that okay? Yeah, fire them down. I wrote down quickly because it's a Big Ten team and it's technically my favorite team in college football. Minnesota at Northwestern. Minnesota is minus 12 in this game. Yep. And I wrote this down facetiously. Are the Cats a home Are the Cats a home team team this year? You know, they kicked the shit out of uh, UTEP <laughs> in week two, 38-7. And 12 is a lot of points for a Minnesota team that hasn't really... <sighs> Quarterback's gross. Raise the radar. So I'm kind of liking the cats here in this gross plus 12. The only thing else. <laughs> that, that game's worse than Iowa Penn State. I agree. Uh, I'm on Minnesota. I, that's actually made my card. Uh, we brought this up last week when we were capping uh, North Carolina correctly that their offense is the problem. Their defense, though, is stout and it's mm-hmm. a good defense. Uh, yeah, they looked real good against North Carolina. Okay, they were doing okay. They were doing okay, but the offense couldn't move the ball, so they're giving North Carolina a good field position. I'm not saying this is a blowout while I'm taking 11.5. Like we said, I can see this being 17-3, 20-3. I just don't see how Northwestern scores. They're not North Carolina. That's the only reason. This isn't going to be a 40 to nothing. Just tuck it away. Northwestern Mm -hmm. is a walkover, but that's why I'm on Minnesota. Let's see what that... uh... Northwestern, 39 and a half. Yeah, I just looked. Minnesota actually ran pretty well against North Carolina. Rushing, they had 170 yards to North uh, UNC's 105. Uh, so the running back was actually getting it going there. Uh, 22 carries for 138 yards. I think this is just a tick, tick, tick game. Minnesota, obviously, we probably had a couple eyes on UNC game. That quarterback, he throws like sidearm. It's very ugly. Like I actually Couple don't sidearms back to back. He, he yeah, not submarine, but it, he was eleven for twenty nine against North Carolina's defense. Maybe North Carolina's defense is, is actually pretty good. We keep saying like there's got to be some issues there, but I if anything I'd lean under thirty nine out. Yeah, but Northwestern eleven and a half at home. It's a lot. It could be windy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I got two more. Speaking of North Carolina, they are laying seven and a half points at Pitt mm-hmm. this week. Um, and what I wrote down for this game is, what has Pitt done this year to earn my vote of confidence in this game? North Carolina has looked pretty good to me. So I would lean North Carolina in this spot. That's what I got. Pitt is bad. I mean, they're Phil reeling. Jerkovich is bad. They're reeling. I, I've been high on Drake May. Give me I, – I thought this game was going to be in, like, the teens. Mm-hmm. Same. Give me North Carolina – Maybe I'm just not seeing anything. Their defense has regressed from South mm-hmm. Carolina game where they fucking dominated the trenches. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, the App State game, they needed a wasn't lot. That, wasn't that game kind of a low-scoring game, or am I wrong? Against mm-hmm. App State. No, it was in the mid-20s before overtime. 
That's pretty low scoring. For that game, I guess, yeah. Last year was like in the 50s, but yeah. Yeah, and then what I'm saying is that Abstate was kind of getting whatever they wanted. Uh, There was no pressure on the quarterback. And then last week, again, the rush game for Minnesota showed out. Not not the same shitty South Carolina. I don't think Pittsburgh has that, like, if we just had a few more extra seconds in the pocket or if we just had a, a, a wider gap here at, in or lane for our running back, I just don't think they have any dudes. And Drake May is continually progressing to be still a Heisman contender. Phil Jerkovich, 81 yards, three interceptions <laughs> Uh, team stats, Pitt had 211 total yards. Wow. Gross, dude. That's bad. It's not good. So this is, um, so it's a stay away game. How is this game under 13 and a half, 14 points? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've actually been betting against UNC this year and I've been wrong every single time. And I think every time I watch a UNC game, I think British Brooks is just a good running back. And I think Drake May just makes the right plays. Um, so I would imagine this game, you know, I think UNC is probably just going to be doing what they're doing, 31-14, to 14, on to the next week. Yeah. Last game I wrote down, which is a pretty good game on paper, UCF versus Kansas State. Kansas State is minus four right now. This is a night game in Manhattan, and I said Kansas State is on. You're right. It's on my card. They're, again, in all my fucking Moneyline parlays, because they're under minus 200. They're like minus 185 right now. It uh, doesn't matter which quarterback. I'm concerned that Will Howard's hurt. And uh, what is it, Anderson that came in? Is that the kid's name, the freshman? Uh, like, uh, you're talking about the long blonde kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's a runner. So He's, he's got fucking speed, though. Yeah, he's got speed. We haven't seen him throw the ball, but Minnesota knew, or Minnesota, Missouri knew he was running every play. Mm-hmm. He, and he still was up running for like eight a clip. Eight a clip, and he, That's where he was the went perfect... Wrong. Perfect read option guy. I mean, he read every single – it's because he read every single option Mm -hmm. correctly. Mm -hmm. And that kind of talent, I just think Kansas State is such a fucking good team. They shouldn't have lost last week. We agree they just threw that away, right? Big time. every chance. Oh, my gosh. Will Howard didn't even want to win that game. Well, it's because he he shouldn't have been playing. He should have been playing, but he was like like overplaying the injury is what I mean. I don't think so. I think they should have committed to the guy that was getting you down the field. doesn't matter how he was doing it. Uh, I'm glad you brought this game up. It's one of my favorite bets. Give me minus four up to a touchdown, uh, and I'll take them in every single money line parlay I have on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's also a battle of the backups too. So John Rice Plumley's out. Yeah, so. he's been. Yeah, and they didn't look good. Yeah, he, at he's all. not playing. Um, you could say what you want about John Rice Plumley, but he is very effective with the legs. He throws a decent ball. Um, he's obviously you know a transfer from Old Miss over there, being a wide receiver and a quarterback. Um, I would I would argue a uh, Kansas State bounce back. Action Network has uh, Kansas State should be minus three twenty money line when they're minus one ninety. Interesting. Yeah. Crazy. So one of their best plays. So that's the last game you got. That's it. That's it. Yep. Awesome. So did you have anyone to cover game wise, or you just no? I I don't know how many how many plays is too many plays is really what it comes <laughs> down to this week. I have literally an un godly amount of plays um you know there's i mean the same time it's like all we've been dealing with is 30 points yeah i think the only game we haven't touched on is arkansas lsu that i think is probably a bigger name game um i personally have the over in that game i just think lsu's offense is just so well oiled i don't see them really not scoring 40 um on arkansas and then if you're asking me to get you know 17 from arkansas and kj jefferson i think i can get that it's over 55 
Um, God, did they look good against Baden. Man. And even that over hit, and Mississippi State didn't do much. So you're, so you're telling me that same over, the exact same number this week, and you're telling me Arkansas can't score one more touchdown than Mississippi State? I, I think know. at one point, Jaden Daniels was 20 for 21. He ended with three incompletions. He was 30 for 30. I mean, Mississippi State was just – every underneath route was wide open. And that's how we capped it. So Arizona, I mean, threw five – four interceptions, and Mississippi State should have run away with that game. That's yep. how bad they stink. Yep. So you're on – are you on the over and LSU or just the over? Just the over. I did not pick a side there. I think, once again, we're getting into kind of like deeper SEC plays, so I did not take a side. The only thing I'll say, I watched extended highlights of Arkansas today uh, with that uh, loss to BYU. KJ Jefferson, man, it seems like he's just doing the most. I know. He's good, but he's trying to put the whole team on his back, and he turned the ball over way too much against a uh, – I mean, not a normal BYU team. They're going to be like six and six, seven and five. They're like, frisky. They're frisky. Yeah, for sure. What's the spread in that game? I believe seventeen. And that game's at LSU. At LSU, seventeen and a half. At so night. You get the hook. Yeah. Uh, six p.m. Yeah, I like LSU. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any games to cover. What that leads us into is our pod teaser. We're giving you uh, each two of our best plays. Tease them down six and a half points and give yourself a six leg teaser that will pay out uh, plus 650. Nate, you start. Mm-hmm. Mayor, uh, I don't think we'll have any overlaps, but. I don't think we will. Uh, I already mentioned my first one, Maryland, down to 0.5 or a pick em. Okay. As I mentioned, just at Michigan State, I just think that Michigan State has too many problems. I think Maryland is actually a pretty solid team. They're one of those middle of the road uh, Big Ten teams that actually. It's always tough when Penn State sees them on their schedule or Ohio State or Michigan. Like, you don't want to go into playing Maryland sleepwalking. Uh, I think Tug Bailoa's brother, still very competent. I think Maryland could score 35. So, if you're saying, does Michigan State get to 35 plus, there's just zero chance. Huh. Uh, my other one's Mizzou at home against Memphis. Memphis was struggling with the uh, service academy there. So, I'm just going to tease Mizzou down to a pick them there. I think Brady Cook, as you saw in that Kansas State game, is just playing with a lot of confidence. I actually think Mizzou is... Banged up, though. Yeah, banged up, but he did wrap up that game, which is good. Good to see there. Uh, the backup, Sam Horn, too. He has some starting experience as well. Um, as far as Memphis, though, I think their defense is really what I'm aiming for here. I think Missouri can, once again, get into the 30s, and do I think Memphis will really keep up with a pretty stout Mizzou defense, I thought. Yeah, um, for sure. Their their rush rushing defense is like top ten, um, which is typically um, what Memphis typically likes to establish at first and then try to open it up. But I have Mizzou down to pick them. I have other games on here that could be qualified. I don't think either one of you use them, but those are going to be the two I'll be using. Hot teaser. I uh, I selected UCLA teased uh, from plus. I had five and a half, so up to twelve. It might be a different number now. Twelve and a half. Yeah, twelve and we'll a half. We'll take the extra. We'll take the extra half. What did yeah. you say? It was plus six. Yeah, it's plus six. Okay. And um, I, I did write down Washington State here. Um, Nate has casted some doubt in my mind about uh-huh. this pick. <laughs> I also cast out. So <laughs> I'd like to veto that pick for the teaser. So I'm going to change my teaser pick uh, from that to UNC. To UNC. Nice. Oh, didn't even know. Yeah. I literally had UNC down here as well. So what what is that down to one one yeah so minus one for you does that not sound like a more confident pick yeah yeah I mean if if Pitt wins that game it's because of a lot of bad mistakes by UNC right is it a bad pick at a pick'em game at a pick'em game 
I was also on UCLA as one of my three. Uh, the other one, we're going back to App State. Uh, they are at Wyoming. That over-under is 43. Bring it down to 36 and a half. We're going to go over. Okay. Yep. And then uh, my final pick, man, uh, I'm kind of going in between uh, one or two. Uh, mentioned it a little Why earlier. Why don't you give us the two and we'll help. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Minnesota from 11 and a half down to five. Or we can bring it uh, Michigan Rutgers from over 44 and a half to over 38. If you guys if you guys are videoing that, I'm also good with taking Old Miss 13 and a half. I like that. I like that too. Yeah. So put me down for Old Miss 13 and a half. Love it. That's I mean that's a huge number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be by the time you place that, it might be up to plus seven and a half. You might even be able to get that hook for free. Yeah. So put me down for 13 and a half. Uh, it's parlay time, boys. Wish I had a uh, like upbeat, just like douchey. That's like true. We, we, we got to get, get something on that. <laughs> to put I it wear into. my sunglasses <laughs> uh, So, the fuckboy parlay failed miserably because of Kansas State. What that started was last week was a uh, all-public uh, parlay. So, this week we have uh, North Carolina State over Virginia, Texas State over Nevada, Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns over Buffalo, Maryland over Michigan State. These are all money line. South Carolina over Mississippi State. And then Rice. And all of that pays uh, at six to one odds. Seven to one odds. That's the fuckboy parlay. Any, uh. See, there's games on this card. I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know South Carolina was playing Mississippi State because I'm so focused on, like, other stuff. <laughs> and it's at South Carolina. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And is it crazy that Mississippi State could probably win that? Oh, no. Uh, the fill me up parlay. This is the fill up your, uh, fill up your bankroll for the weekend. You get the, you get the gist. So you can bring it all into Sunday. San Diego State bouncing back. I mean, they've taken a lot of heat. Boise State banged up. This game is in San Diego plus 205. Love that. SMU at TCU. Obviously, I'm a TCU hater. I'm on their under. Uh, they took care of what we now saw as a inept Houston team. Their offense is pitiful. Holgerson's probably out, unfortunately, but they just need a full revamp there. I'm still not bought into TCU. SMU, man, they can make some noise. And then Old Miss, money line, that pays 32 to 1. That's a fill me up parlay. Why well, can't you do hate TCU? I truly do, yeah. Yeah, I keep burning you. Uh, and then the fill, or I'm sorry, the park your ass parlay, that's one and one. It's up seven units on the year. By the way, the fill me up parlay is zero and three, but back to back weeks we're finished two and one. We were just one away last week. The park your ass parlay, where that's one bet from each slate. Eleven a.m. We're going Florida State money line minus one thirty-five. Uh, I wanted to touch on this game. We'll breeze by it. It'll be on my slate. Ohio minus ten at minus one fifty at Bowling Green. Bowling Green still doesn't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Ohio starting to gain steam. Huge win at uh, uh, hosting Iowa State. They're going to destroy Bowling Green opening action. In the 6 o'clock slate, Oregon State minus 160. And then in the night slate, this was tough to find. But we're going to go Fresno State minus 25.5. That's an alternate line. It's at minus 149. All four of those pay plus 675. Beautiful. So let's cover the cards. My lock of the week is going to be North Carolina, minus 7.5 against Pitt. I got talked on to that. 
just bringing it up here and then hearing <laughs> your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I also will be on Wisconsin minus five and a half on Friday night against Purdue. And I tailed Nate's pick of Oregon over 45 and a half points against Colorado. So those are my three bets so far. Obviously, Burns, I'll text you everything else, but that is what I'm on. I mean, I think it's fair. I need to see at least eight plays out of you this week. <laughs> Percentage over volume, baby. I need eight plays out of a card this big. I, I like. I, I do like a guy that can be like, you know, maybe maybe it's like Mute Beers. You know, he just has a few. But do, but do we need more? We do because he needs to eat a hot one. <laughs> All right. So what's your lock of the week and what's your card? Oh boy, how much time do we have? All right, here we go. So lock. Uh, okay, so it's going to be over 59.5, Washington Cal. That is Pac-12 late-night special. Literally watch this game while you're falling asleep. Probably hungover already because you've already drank too much. Over 59.5, I think Washington scores 45 themselves. If you've been able to watch Cal this year, they actually run at a very fast pace. It's not a very traditional Cal team. They 59.5? Over 59.5. I think Washington, this, this offense... Is so well oiled. I hope everyone's kind of jumped on the Washington bandwagon. Um, they have one of the easier schedules in the Pac-12. So over 59 and a half. So let's jump into best bets here. Uh, Friday night, I do have two plays. Wisconsin-Purdue over 53 and a half. San Diego State, I took them plus six and a half. I think getting San Diego State at home is a little bit different. Um, I think they're a very uh, gritty team. I, I think Boise... They were kind of hanging around with North Dakota. I don't know what happened there. There was a lot of weird plays if you happen to catch that game. Uh, Clemson plus two and a half at home. A and M minus not or sorry minus eight against Auburn. Marshall at home minus four and a half wow. against Vatek. You have to the the reason why you take that it's very much like the UNLV game or even like a Fresno State game. It's a small program playing a Power Five team. It's Marshall minus four and a half at home. Uh, TCU game. My only. Uh, my only play on that is over 62.5. Once again, I think TCU's offense is good. I think TCU's defense is bad. I haven't watched much of SMU, but I will say this. If it's anything like SMU of the old, I'm hoping they can at least get to 21 points. Oregon team total over 45.5 and, and over 70. The reason why I'm taking over 70 is I think Oregon gets into the 50s, so I'm just asking for 20 out of Colorado. Uh, UCLA plus 6. Ole Miss, Alabama over 55.5. Uh, this is a weird one. I have Nebraska over 47.5. They play uh, La Tech. Uh, if you've looked at La Tech's schedule, it is not good. They have let up, let me just pull it up really quick. They've let up 40 points to North Texas, 21 to Northwestern State, and 38 to SMU. Uh, I think Nebraska might score 50 themselves, so I'm going to take 47.5. Uh, this is Xander's favorite play Rice minus two. <laughs> I know how you feel about Rice. Rice is actually a pretty good team. I don't mind Rice in this spot. They play at South Florida. Yes, South Florida just uh, hung around with Alabama. I think they handled McLeod, uh, um, and they can go ahead and win that game outright. I have them minus two and a half. Uh, have you guys looked at FIU yet? They're three and one. I don't know if you've seen FIU. FIU is one of the worst teams in the league. Um, here, I'll tell you FIU's wins really FIU has beaten Maine 14 to 12. <laughs> They then beat North Texas, which I told you is one of the worst defenses in the league metrically, 46 to 39, and then they won at Connecticut. Connecticut, if you've also paid attention, they don't have a quarterback right now. They're on their third string currently. So I have Liberty minus 10 at FIU. Liberty has really kind of come out and, and really put their Malik Willis uh, 
flames on as far as when they used to be good. They so far have beaten New Mexico State 33-17, Bowling Green, and Buffalo. By the way, once we get into action, Buffalo is so bad. They're bad. They're 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 like bottom five in rush. Um, okay, Arkansas LSU over fifty five. Sam Houston under thirty eight. Sam Houston was an FCS team that just got into the uh, FBS. They were the Iowa of FCS. They have no offense, great defense. MTSU minus three. We're gonna have to do a water bet for that or something. <laughs> uh, Baylor plus fifteen. Notre Dame plus three over fifty five. Iowa, plus 15. I just think that game is, is going to be so low scoring. I think 15 points in such a low total, easy. Mizzou, minus 5.5. Washington Cal, over 59.5. And then the last one, UNLV, minus 2.5 at Utah. I think UNLV beating uh, Vandy is a, is a statement win. I agree. As I far think as that program. Builds, builds their confidence. Yeah, in UTEP, so lose to Northwestern like 33-7. to I think UNLV is the play there. Oh, what a fucking card, dude. What was that, 18 picks? It was a lot. <laughs> That's what I like to see. Man, that volume gets me all gets me all randy. Hey, I got two more for you. Hey! Is it bad that I even want volume? I just like looked up and I was like, I holy shit. I'm going to be rich. Give me A&M. Okay. Points. I meant to bring that up and I forgot. And also give me um, LSU points. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, not to keep everyone, thank you again for keeping, uh, whoever's still listening, I'll split this up and I'll put a bunch of notes in. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, so my lock of the week is Oregon State money line minus 145. Going down the list, Wyoming, App State over 43. Give me Ole Miss plus seven. Give me that game over plus 55 and a half as well. Oregon minus 21. Can you do something for me? I don't really want to lay the hook. Just give me minus 21. If it gets higher, I'd probably lay off. UCLA plus six. Uh, Ohio State minus three. Michigan Rutgers over 44.5. Kansas State minus four. San Jose State, big bounce back. This team has been playing well. Tough one and three start. They beat a good Air Force team, but a team they're familiar with. Uh, they host Air Force. Minnesota minus 11.5 at Northwestern. Duke minus 21 versus. Uh, UConn, Toledo, this is probably my second favorite bet. Toledo over seven, or I'm sorry, 37 and a half team total versus a absolutely putrid Western Michigan. Uh, bottom 10 in every defensive stat you can think of. This game is at mm-hmm. Toledo. Uh, Western is just so bad. What's that over under? Uh, it's only in the 50s. It's 53 and a half. Well, because uh, I did hear a stat that outside of service academies, it's next Western Michigan that runs the most. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Toledo is a good No, no, Michigan. no. I'm saying like tick, yeah. tick, tick. Oh, I love Toledo. Yeah. Ohio minus 13 against Bowling Green. Uh, Southern Alabama uh, minus 16 versus Central Michigan. We're just fading the uh, directional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mi- yeah. Well, no, Ohio. The man knows his stuff. Ohio's in the MAC, so <laughs> technically not fading the MAC. Just fading directional Michigan academies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also on A&M, and that's it. That's all we got. What a fucking podcast. That's a megapod for a mega week. I'll be sure to label everything so you can <laughs> skip ahead. Just under two hours. Let's do it again next week after we win. It was a lot of fun. Let's get after it, boys. All right. Peace. Peace.